we continue to look at things Jesus did during his last week in Jerusalem before the crucifixion. Every day he does something significant as he, he went to the temple every day, stayed outside, just outside the city walls on Mount Olive, a special mountain there outside Jerusalem. It's where he was on the night when they came and arrested him. So we'll look at the next day, and it involves something that happened earlier when he cursed the fig tree. We saw that back on the second day of that week, and we're at verse 20, Mark chapter 11. Now in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, remembering, said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, Be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, Whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you will have them. All right, so this is on a later day with this fig tree. On a previous day, Jesus had, had walked up to, into Jerusalem, and he saw a fig tree, and he had not had breakfast, and he was hoping to get figs off of that fig tree. This is back in verse 12 through 14. And he came up to the fig tree and it had no figs on it. It only had leaves. This was in the springtime of the year. Fig trees don't produce figs until the mid to late summer. That's the season for figs. And Mark brings that out. He says it was not the season for figs. And yet Jesus cursed that fig tree because it didn't have any figs on it and said, let nothing ever grow from you again. We talked about that, how it was puzzling. That's puzzling on its surface. But when we actually think about it, it makes a lot of sense because the fact that the seasons exist and that the fig trees don't bear except one time of the year is a result of the curse of sin that we have brought into the world. And it was a part of the, what happened after the flood where things got even worse. And then we had the extreme seasons of winter and summer. And so the trees didn't bear all year round, which was God's original plan and His original creation. It was like that. There was fruit all the time. That was God's original plan. It was our sin. It was man's sin that messed all that up. And Jesus didn't like that. And that's why He cursed it. And that the fig tree was a picture of Israel. And that Israel was not bearing the fruit they should have borne spiritually, meaning believing on Jesus as the Messiah. They were, by the end of the week, they were going to crucify Jesus at rejection. And Jesus cursed the fig tree, picturing them as a prophecy of this is where Israel is at. They were dried up, not producing fruit. They were rebellion against God, not doing the will of God. And they were under God's curse, and they have been. After the crucifixion um, in AD 70, 
they lost their temple and the nation and the city, and they have had a tr just awful time since then. For over 2,000 years, they've been under God's curse because they're in rejection of the Messiah. And they brought it on themselves. They are the fig tree here. So I had to set that context as we talk about it here as this second thing happens. They come back and the fig tree is all withered up and dead. I like some of my uh, blueberry bushes here that we planted <laughs> drying up one by one. It's like there goes another one. That's what happened to this fig tree. Dried up from the roots. Leaves all brown. And Peter looks at it and he's amazed. And he says, Jesus, the fig tree you cursed is dead. And he's all surprised. And Jesus sees that Peter needed to learn a lesson here. And it's a very important lesson. And it is in this short phrase, have faith in God. Now that's loaded with a whole bunch of meaning. And we're gonna, I'm going to try to get, I'm gonna get to this. And we need to be diligent to put this into context because what Jesus states here, what I read to you here in these couple of verses is misunderstood and misapplied by a lot of Christians. It's easy to misunderstand this text. It's one of the biggest misunderstood texts. Because if you just read as casually on the surface of what Jesus says, you will think He's saying something different than what He's really saying. He is not saying that I can go outside and if I just believe that an oak tree can just be uprooted and I can throw it into this pond over here and I have enough faith, I can do it. Come on, let's go outside and I'll do it. Jesus said I can do it. That is not what He is saying. And, but many people misunderstand that. They think it's like a blank check. Jesus said it. If you just believe when you pray, you'll have something. Now, that one verse said that, but it, what, what's very, this is a very important point about interpreting the Bible correctly. Is you can't take just one statement and one sentence and lift it out. You've got to put it in the whole context of the whole discussion and the whole situation, and that will guide you in how to understand the statement. And that's very important in this section. I'm going to try to explain that to you. That's the answer for how we're to look at this. Because if we don't do that, and that's how you should write and interpret the Bible, and that's where you make a mistake, is where if you just lift out one sentence or one verse and say, well, that says this to me, and if you don't, if you read it in the whole paragraph, you say, oh, yeah, well, the whole, the whole context, it shows me it, it, it doesn't really mean that. Like I'm taking it. Because if we took it that way, that would mean that, just like what I said, that you could just go outside and you could say, okay, uh, let me go over this mountain and I'm going to have enough faith. I'm going to sit here and pray for 30 minutes. I'm enough faith. And I'm going to lift that mountain up and I'm going to cast it over here into the sea. Let me ask you this. How many Christians do you know who have done that in their lifetime? How many times in church history have you heard about that being done? Zero. It has never occurred. And that was not Jesus' point. He was making a point about a spiritual truth that does involve prayer and faith and miracles. He is talking about that, but we have to be careful to put it into the context of what he is what's happening here to rightly apply it. 
and we're going to talk about that. Have faith in God. That phrase right there serves to direct us, because here's how it does. Jesus is saying, later in the context, when he's talking about you praying about a mountain, which that was a point about dealing with some kind of problem, you praying, the first context is have faith in God. And what Jesus is telling Peter is, Peter, God's at work here. God's got a big master plan that he's carrying out. And he's doing this. And what you need to know is you need to be in tune with him. And you need to be believing what he's doing. And that's how you will rightly understand the situations going on around you. Because if Peter had done that, he wouldn't have been surprised that the fig tree was withered. But he was. Peter was not focusing on the big picture and God's purposes and plans. That All disciples were out of tune. That's why by the end of the week, they all left Jesus when he was arrested and they were all puzzled and discouraged about the crucifixion because they did not know the Old Testament Bible that said Jesus was going to do that. They were out of tune with what God was doing. And so the lesson they needed to hear and start working on was, have faith in God, Peter. Have faith in God, the rest of the disciples. Get in tune with God's plan, what God's doing, and believe on that, not the what you see and not what you think. Don't go by your own thoughts. When they looked at the cross, they said, man, what a defeat, what a discouraging thing. Everything's over, life's over, Jesus is dead, let's just go and die. That's what they thought with their human perspective, and that's the way it looked, unless you knew the plan of God, unless you knew what God was doing, and that God was providing us a sacrifice for our sins, and Jesus willingly went to the cross, and it was all in His plan to forgive us salvation. And that same thing happened here with the fig tree on a small level. The fig tree was symbolic of Israel. But Peter didn't understand that. He was amazed about how it was withered according to Jesus' words. And so Jesus said, Peter, man, you've got to learn this lesson. Have faith in God. God's at work here. God's got a plan He's carrying out for His kingdom. And it's through you, the Israelites, the Messiah. I'm the Messiah and I've come to you. I was born into your nation. I chose to be a Jew, to be an Israelite, to die as the Messiah to save you first and then the rest of the world and you not even understanding that. The fig tree pictured that and Peter was missing all of that. So we got to understand the context. This is about God's work first. And when we can begin to talk about praying for things, that's the context where we have to start. We can't just look and say, okay, well, let me see. I think I want to do that mountain and this tree and that sea. No, it's not up to us. We, we don't, that's not the point here. We're not to go out and start saying, well, what do I want to do today? What do I, what do I want to change today? If I just have enough faith, I can take care of this. That's not what Jesus is saying here. And many Christians misunderstand this. They think, oh, if I have enough faith, I can go out and conquer the world. I can heal every disease. And they say that until their child gets sick. And their family member gets sick. I've watched it. I've had friends who will say this. And it's, it's, it's in what's called the charismatic movement, which a lot of those, I have family members that are in that, that belief. 
and they they have good hearts and many of them have good hearts. There's deceivers in all groups. There's deceivers in Baptist groups and there's deceivers in charismatic groups and there's deceivers all over. But there are a lot of people that have good hearts, good believers that have good hearts. They, are, they have good intentions, but they're misguided in how they're applying some of these teachings. And it's one, this is one of them. They take these words of Jesus and they misunderstand and they say, well, if I just had enough faith, then I can, my child is sick. I can pray and God will heal my child. That is not what Jesus was teaching us. That we have a blank check to take care of every problem if I just have enough faith. But he was teaching a very important truth that they'll apply. And we'll talk about it. But this is the context. God's work first. Not me going out and saying, well, I think I'm going to do this, this, this. No, it's God, what are you doing? What do you want? And I believe on that. And I get in tune with that. And then that guides my prayer over here because we are not guaranteed at all to have an answer for a prayer that I just come up with. It has to be the will of God, what he wants, what he is choosing. That's the context of the fig tree. I'm saying all that because that's what applies to the fig tree. The fig tree was a picture of Israel. And Israel was rejecting Jesus. They were getting ready to, to, to crucify him. Jesus knew that. The disciples didn't know that. And so Jesus curses the fig tree to use that as a picture of what Israel was about ready to do. And so God wanted that to be pictured in this, in his scriptures. That's why he wanted the fig tree cursed. He didn't want the fig tree cursed just because Jesus just didn't get breakfast that morning. It was not something just, you know, superficial, just on a whim. This was about the spiritual will of God picturing something, a spiritual truth. It's God's will. And the fig tree pictured that, and God was going to use that cursed fig tree to be a picture to Israel and to the disciples and to be in the Scriptures to speak to countless people in generations since then and to speak to Jewish people about their own nation, it all had purposes in the will of God. It was not just about a fig tree that didn't have fruit on it for breakfast. It was much bigger than that. And that's how the context we need to put into our praying when we're praying about things and say, well, I want this to happen. Well, we first have to thank God, what is your purposes? What are you doing? What's your will? Have faith in God first, and that will then guide what you pray about. Now, let me, let me make this point. I believe the fig tree here speaks to us first, that we can have faith in God, that God's judgments will be carried out in the earth. God's judgment against sin. Because that's what this was a, a small manifestation of. This fig tree got cursed and died because it was chosen to be a symbol of the nation of Israel, the sinfulness of Israel, and it, it died. And it really happened, and God used that, and it's part of Scripture that gets preached, and I'm preaching it this morning, it's a picture of Israel and what happens when you turn your back on God and His plans. Israel, just like Nicodemus we talked about earlier, Nicodemus was Jewish, Jewish priest, but he was not 
understanding and getting into the program of what God was doing through Jesus. He eventually did, but initially he was not. And if we are in that position, we turn our back on God, we reject his works, we reject his plans, we will be like that fig tree. We will wither up to nothing. Because it's all about God. Life is in God. God's the one that made the fruit trees. And again, He made them to bear fruit every month, 12 months out of the year. And that's how they will in the future when everything is fixed. When the curse of sin is removed, the trees are going to bear every month. There's not going to be a season. It's one season of three months. It's going to be all year round. It's sin that's done that. And so... That's all part of our sin. And if we reject God and His plans in our life and His works in our life, we're like that victory. We will wither up and, be, and come under His curse. Because if you fight against God, you will lose. God's judgments will be carried out in the earth. And you can't stop it. I can't stop it. Nobody can stop it. There are people that shake their fist at God. But they cannot stop God's judgment. That's the lesson here that God's works are going to be accomplished no matter what anybody tries to do to stop it. The world is going to rebel against God, and against Jesus particularly, and that's building up now. It's building up. It's happening. That's what we're experiencing. It's rebellion against God. The homosexuality movement, transgender movement, homosexual marriage, all of that, abortion, it's all just a rebellion against God's design. And it really centers into one thing, have you noticed? It centers around God's purpose for the family of a man and a woman being married and having babies. That's what Satan's attacking. And it's just an attack against God. And it is a huge failure. And it is a tragic thing happening. There's a falling away happening around people who profess to be believers. And they're probably not true believers inside, and they're showing it by their works. They are now cooperating. They're saying, okay, we will accept this. We'll accept homosexual marriage. We'll accept uh, you could kill babies. Well, I wouldn't personally, but I won't stop you from doing that. You'd have a different take if they were wanting to kill you, but you know, that, that's another story. There are those profess to be Christians who are going along with that now. They are saying, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll accept this. We'll accept it. They are becoming this victory. They are the, the, the modern church. They're the big element of the modern church. The new church, it's called, it, it's been called the emerging church because they're emerging as something totally different than what it's been. Totally different than what the Bible teaches. They're accepting abortion. They're accepting homosexuality. They're saying, we've got to rethink this. All they're doing is just compromising. All they're doing is cooperating with Satan's work in the world, and they're, they're this fig tree, and they're, they're withering away, and they're going to die. God's judgment will not be stopped. It will come. God's works will come against sin, because that's one thing God does. One of His works in the world is judging our sin out of love. He disciplines out of love because He wants to turn us away from our sin. Just like a parent disciplines a child because they want them to learn an important lesson about life, not to do what's wrong. God is doing that to His world, and that's His judgment. And He, he cursed that fig tree out of an act of judgment. Nothing will stop that. Peter's like, wow, it happened, Jesus. He said, yeah, of course it happened because this is what God wants. It's a spiritual picture have faith in God, man. Have faith in God, Peter. 
open your eyes of what God is doing here. God is working. Peter's like, wow, what's going to happen, Jesus? He was totally out of focus. That's why he denied Jesus by the end of the week. He was just not in focus. And so that's the first thing. That's the first. Now let's get to the second path. This is the part that most gets the most attention here and was most difficult. Jesus said, then I think he speaks of a positive thing. Whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. This is a positive side. It's, it's not losing something, it's gaining something. You're going to pray about something you need, something you want changed. And he says, if you pray and believe, you will receive those things. See, it's a positive thing. It's about, it's about accomplishing things in God's Word. The first one was about the negative judgment. Nothing's going to stop that. God's plan is going to be carried out. The same thing on this positive side God's will is going to be accomplished with what He wants to be accomplished. And it can involve the miraculous. If God wants to do a miracle through some of His servants, that will be done. And it, it will be done to the person, through the person who believes it. That's His point here. And that that person, to cooperate with God, He must... Remember Peter's lack of faith here. This is the context. Again, here's the point of context. Peter didn't have faith. He's like, wow, Jesus, it happened. I can't believe it. He's like, why'd you doubt it? Have faith, man. So he says, then when you pray, have faith. When you're praying about something that needs to happen in God's work, that's an important phrase I just stated. A thing in God's work that needs to happen means God wants it to happen, even if it's miraculous, if we'll believe, pray, it'll happen. That's what Jesus is talking about. But here's the context. It's not about my wishes and my wants. Of, Man, I want this and that and that. I can just do this and I can be this big superhero in the world. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about the will of God. What God wants to happen through his servants. And if God wants it to happen through one of his servants, his servants got to believe it in order to experience it. That was Peter. Same thing with us. So, when Jesus talks about a mountain being cast into the sea, He is stressing a point. He's exaggerating a point. He's not saying, well, there's going to be mountains you're going to face in the future, like literal mountains, uh, Mount St. Helens, Mount uh, Everest. Go for Mount Everest. That's the tallest. You can deal with that mountain. He's not talking about that physically. That doesn't have any relevance to the work of the kingdom of God. And Jesus didn't mean it to be. He's making a point. He's saying, if you face something, even something big that needs to happen, a miracle, and God wants to do it on the earth, and He wants to use you to do it, you need to believe whatever, because God can do whatever. That's what Jesus is saying. And the point is now to apply it, to say, well, so if my family member gets sick and they may be dying, then I can't just heal them automatically? No. Because it may not be God's will to heal them. Here's a verse that has to go along with this the Bible talks about. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we, if we know that He hears us, 
Whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. This is the context. Jesus doesn't bring it out directly, and that's what can lead people to misunderstand the point here if you don't really look at the whole context. But the context of this statement of Jesus, that you could, whatever you pray and believe, you'll have it, it's in the context that it's in the will of God. God's the one that makes the first decision. You see that with the fig tree. Jesus made the decision first to curse the fig tree because God wanted him to curse the fig tree because it was a picture of Israel. That's why the fig tree got cursed. It wasn't Peter's idea. And it wasn't even originally Jesus' idea in the sense that when he was in his human body, Jesus set aside his divine prerogative to meaning to act as God sitting in heaven. He was God on the earth in a human body, and he had chosen to operate just like we do. That he had to pray about things, and he had to do what God the Father wanted him to do. He said that many times in the book of John. He said, I only do what, he said, I do nothing of myself. I only do what the Heavenly Father tells me to do. He was operating as a human being like we do, even though he was the Son of God. He had all power. It was not his original idea to curse the fig tree. It was God's. He was doing what God led him to do through times of prayer. And so that's how it works for us. We must, what, what is key is what God's will is. And we can pray for a family member that's sick and say, God, is it your will to heal them? If it is your will, please heal them. But your will be done. And the reality is, you know, God has manifested miracles at different times in His work. There's not always been miracles. And while God can do that today, most of the time He chooses not to, is the reality. That's why when a family member is sick, and there are believers in that person's family, don't you know they're praying for them? They're saying, God, please help them. Please save them. Please heal them. They're praying that every time. But you know what happens? Most of the time, a family member, when they get to a point of death, they die. Because it's not God's will to do a miracle every time. Miracles are rare. But God can do miracles, and He still does do miracles when He chooses. But He doesn't most times do them just for this little person's reason over here and this person's reason over here. Although sometimes He might. But most of it, it's, it's about the big picture. It's about his big master plan. That's when he does his miracles. And that's what he's talking about here, about a mountain. And he's saying, get in tune with the will of God. And when God wants you to do something, even if it's a miraculous thing or it's a difficult thing, even a miraculous thing, he can do it. He will do it to you, but you've got to believe him. But if you don't believe him, then you're not going to have everything. You're going to be like Peter, who's going to be surprised and be out of tune. That's the context of this. And here's an example. Here's why I believe this really applies. And this is going to happen in the future. And the point, let me get to my, here's a summary point. I think Jesus is saying that big miraculous things that God wants to do in His kingdom's work in the earth before everything is over is going to happen. Every one of them is going to happen. Nothing is going to be stopped. 
Have faith in God. Have faith that God's going to do everything He needs to do in the future, even the miraculous. And here's things that we know He's going to do that the Bible tells us. In the book of Revelation, it tells us that in the last days, two, two prophets are going to be called by God, two witnesses, and God's going to give His power to them. He says, I'll give my power to my two witnesses, and they'll be able to do miracles. They'll do miracles against the Antichrist and the unbelieving world. And it says that as many, uh, it says they'll have power to uh, stop rain from falling on the earth for three and a half years while they prophesy. And it says another one, the other one will be able to, uh, and that's like, that was like Elijah, the prophet Elijah, who did that. And then the other one is like a Moses character. And it says the other one will have power to turn water into blood like Moses did. And it says then to make as many plagues as they want to come on the earth, as many as they wish to come on the earth. And here's the picture of this dynamic. Is this the witness's idea? No. First, God tells them to do it. Is this their power that does it? No. It's God's power. He clearly says, I'll give my power to them. But once God says, this is my will, and I give my power to you, those two witnesses can do whatever they want in that will. And it'll happen. They will stop rain from falling to the earth. They will make water turn to blood whenever they say. They will make all plagues happen on the earth, whatever they want. It'll happen like a mountain being cast into the sea because it's in the will of God. And they will be given that power and they believe and that's an example of this, of what he's talking about here. And if God wants something to happen, even miraculous, through one of his servants, we've got to have faith in God. And if we do, it'll happen, no matter what it is. There's no limit to God's power, even if it means a huge mountain being cast into the sea. It was, he was stressing a point. Even to that, there's no limit. He was saying there's no limit to what God can do if He wants to do that. And that's what Jesus was saying. To say, have faith in God of all He wants to do in your life and in the world. Have faith in God and all the judgment He's doing against sin. It's a statement of believing in the power of God. That God's in charge, God's in control. And we need to be reminded of that. When uh, we've got a Congress who's about ready to pass a homosexual marriage bill and come after us. We need to have faith in God. Remember, God's the ones in charge, not the Democrats in Congress. They're not in charge. America's not in charge of the world. Uh, European Union's not in charge. When the Antichrist comes, he's not going to be in charge. Christ is, and we keep our focus on him to have faith in God, even in the dark days. And that's the picture of the fig tree. It was a very dark time in Israel, and it even got darker. And it's been very dark for Israel for over 2,000 years. And yet God is still working. God is still in charge. God is, Jesus is still in control, and he is saving people both Jew and Gentile, in the midst of this darkness, and we need to keep our faith in Him. And Jesus will accomplish everything that He needs to accomplish. He will do it, even if it involves a mountain being cast to the midst of the sea. And we need to believe God for whatever He wants to do in His kingdom. And so it's a lesson on faith, that we believe in the power of God. He is so big, He is so powerful, and we don't lose hope. He's going to finish everything in the end. 
He's going to do this. He's going to bring His judgment. He's going to bring His miracles through the two witnesses first and then through the Lord Jesus returning. And He's going to manifest that power and He is going to fix the earth. And He's going to take sin out of it. And He's going to set up His kingdom on the earth. And nothing's going to stop that. And we need to believe that for the days ahead. The important thing is that we're in His kingdom. Our sins are forgiven. We have to have our sins forgiven to be in His kingdom. So He told Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God without being forgiven, born again. And then we need to serve Him. By obeying Him, believing Him. Not like Peter who was surprised. We need to say, yeah, Jesus, you're working and you're in control. Your power is what's in charge in the earth. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for these truths, for this encouragement to have faith in God. To never give up. To never doubt. You are doing much more than we even realize. You are working in so many ways. And we don't see that. Because we're like Peter a lot of times. Show us your works. Help us to see your greatness and your glory. And help us to understand your will. Show us your will of what you are going to do in the days ahead and help us to have full faith in it. You're going to defeat all of this rebellion against you and the Antichrist. You're going to bring the resurrection. You're going to save us from death. All who have repented and believed on you and been born again. You're going to raise us to eternal life. We believe that. And we rejoice in that through your death on the cross. So strengthen our faith this week and help us to share your truths with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.